Nearing the midway point of the 2022 season, several Seahawks are up for high-profile NFL awards. Which ones have the best chance to bring home the hardware at the end of the season? Rob Rang and I are going to be discussing and debating on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, 12s? Happy Tuesday to everybody listening into the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Special thanks to all the 12s out there, especially those of you in the UK that are listening late, well past your bedtime. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got a jam-packed Tuesday episode coming your way. Tell the Truth Tuesday. Going to have a little different spin on it today looking at Three players that have a serious chance to win major awards this NFL season. Plus, we're going to check out what's new with the New York Giants, the 6-1 and one New York Giants, as they get set to come to Lumen Field this weekend and much more. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. We're heading into week eight, almost to the midway point of the season. And, you know, it was silly a few weeks ago when we were talking about playoff picture and which team would be in if they started this playoffs today. But when you get to the midway point of the season, Rob, suddenly everything starts to come into perspective a little bit. The playoff races truly are starting to formulate in the NFC. And the Seahawks right now, after beating the Chargers on Sunday at 4-3, and are in sole possession of first place in the NFC West. They would be the number three seed in the conference since the Buccaneers are still in first place at 3-4. and They would host a playoff game at Lumen Field if the playoffs started today. I know it's still early, but at the same time, it's getting to be deep enough in the season now. You're going to start seeing the playoff teams start to separate themselves, and the Seahawks hope the momentum they're building right now, they will be one of those teams. Yeah, Corbin, it's entirely appropriate, I think, that here we are in Halloween week, and it feels like there is a mask over the Seattle Seahawks, a mask over the New York Giants. I mean, this is arguably the biggest matchup of the Week 8 slate. Um, you know, So to me, th- this is absolutely spectacular. You look at the, the NFC West roundup, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, uh, again, the Seahawks are not just in first place uh, You know, in, in terms of their, their schedule or in terms of their record, but they are there because the Los Angeles Rams are currently three and three. The San Francisco 49ers are a full game behind the Seahawks at three and four, as are the Arizona Cardinals, who, of course, the Seahawks have that tiebreaker over the Cardinals due to their victory earlier in the season. And then, you know, if you're to look at the, the, the schedules moving forward with the Seahawks having the schedule that they have, it actually sets up pretty nicely for them moving forward here. So, you know, it, that, that's one of the kind of fun things about this. I mean, when you start off the season, it can be a trend. When you get to week eight, it's the truth. And the Seahawks right now are playing incredible football. And I think of this is a New York Giants team that, again, has a better record than the Seahawks and is getting a little bit more pub nationally. But at the same time, I think that when you look at the way that Seattle matches up against New York, this could wind up being a victory as well. So, you know, Seahawks fans, get ready because this is setting up to be one exciting and unexpected season. 
We're going to have a lot of opportunities in the next few days to look at Seahawks versus Giants, two teams that had a bunch of early draft picks. They've got some key rookies that are contributing for them on both sides of the football. There's a lot of parallels there, certainly some turnover. Uh, Quarterback situation was considered uncertain going into the year. Giants had Daniel Jones, the Seahawks sticking with Geno Smith as Russell Wilson's replacement. Yet here they are heading into a game in week eight that suddenly has a lot of playoff ramifications. You look at where the Seahawks are at, as you mentioned, they are in sole possession first place. They're the only team with a winning record in the NFC West. And yet still, based on projections, this is coming from 538.com. Right now, this is where this division is at, Rob. They're projecting three teams to finish at nine and eight and a fourth team to finish at eight and nine. When you're all together with four and three, three and three, and three and four records this stage of the season, it makes sense projections would fall that way. But the Seahawks are still only listed with a 42% chance to make the postseason. I think some of that has to do with the fact that they have that tiebreaker they lose to the San Francisco 49ers. But they will get a second matchup with them. Their division title chances went up from 12% to 25%. So they doubled with that victory. And again, it's still very early in the season. These numbers are going to fluctuate. If Seattle loses the next couple of games, then both those numbers are going to go into a tailspin. But right now with them being in first place on a two-game winning streak, playing some really sound football, looks like they are in good position as we get close to the midway point of this season. And again, it's just weird saying this, but if the playoffs started today, they would be the number three seed. They would host a home playoff game. If you told Pete Carroll they were going to be in this situation, maybe Pete Carroll wouldn't be surprised by it. He's the most confident person out there, believed in this team going into the season. But I don't know very many other people. I'm sure there's plenty of guys in that locker room that would have been like, whoa, four and three, we're in first place after seven games. I'll absolutely take that. This is a young team that's going to keep getting better. And so there's a lot weighing in on this game. But you mentioned the schedule. We have to remember four of the last five games this year are at Lumen Field. And it does feel like home field advantage, even though they lost to the Falcons earlier this season. It does seem like they've regained some of that edge this year. And fans have kind of got back into it with this young, supposedly rebuilding football team. Yeah, that to me is the most exciting thing about it is we've talked so much about the Geno Smith, about this rookie class. And I think that when you are unexpected and still playing really good football, that, that's what gets people excited. That, that's what gets people kind of wearing that, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks blue throughout the week and it, it being blue Friday, things like that. It, it gets the fan base excited and they're just playing such good football. Um, that I, I think that it is easy to kind of fall in love with this team. I think that you look at some of the, the teams in these past couple of years when Seattle obviously had their success in going to back-to-back Super Bowls, it just felt like it was assumed that Seattle was going to be in that playoff mix. But now it feels like you have to earn it, and that's exactly what they were doing. You know, that they have been the underdog in these last couple of games and yet have emerged with the victory. So with those five of the last six games, as you mentioned, back at Lumen Field, if Seattle can get a little bit of a run, it's difficult to come into Seattle in December and in January and be able to pull off victories when it starts to get a little bit cold, when the running game gets that much more important. And considering how well the Kent Walker has, has taken uh, to the Seahawks offense, as well as Seattle's defense suddenly is playing, and the consistency with which Geno Smith, as we're going to about to talk about as a possible MVP candidate, is playing, 
then yeah, I think there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who maybe were thinking, I don't know if I want to be emotionally invested in this team. Well, get ready because the play the, the Seahawks are playing that well. It's time to get emotionally invested. We're talking playoffs now, not top 10 selections in the NFL draft. Playoffs? Playoffs? You're kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Right now, the Seahawks would be a playoff team. Real quick, before we move on to our Tell the Truth Tuesday and look at a few of these big awards that the Seahawks have players that are legitimate candidates for, this is just to show you, at least from a Locked On podcast network perspective, the Seahawks are gaining more recognition nationally coming out of this game in Los Angeles. Highest ranking they've had in the power rankings all year, jumping up from number 20 to number 14. So this is the first time this year the Seahawks have been in the top 15 in first place in the NFC West. They should be there. The Rams are one spot ahead of them. The 49ers still at number 12. People still believing in San Francisco, even though they have a losing record at this stage of the season. The Cardinals right there at 17. So all these teams, looking at those projections, where they're at now, they're all bunched together. This is a very tight-knit division right now that is up for grabs. Gives the Seahawks and the other three teams a chance that they can get rolling and play well over an extended period of time to win a division that, again, is very much up for grabs and maybe has not lived quite up to expectations this season. But nonetheless, the Seahawks at 14 and climbing on our Locked On Network Power Rankings. Coming up next, there's a number of Seahawks players with them being in first place at 4-3, and three, being one of the more surprising teams in the league that have vaulted into the conversation for some major awards. Rob Rang and I are going to be investigating whether or not these players have a legitimate opportunity to bring home the hardware at the end of the season. We're going to get to that coming up next here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be full of challenges. Recently, our family has undergone significant strife with family members dealing with debilitating health issues. It truly has been a struggle for me and my family coping with it mentally. Life can be full of twists and turns, so it's important to show yourself through it all. And BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me. But don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online and available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. And they have a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com. Dot com slash locked on. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people in your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years. LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find the top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job 
for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're in Seattle, you're in Germany, UK. We even had a listener that mentioned that they were briefly in Antarctica a few weeks ago. Wherever you're at, thanks for listening five days a week to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and provide local experts and insights that are only available on Locked On. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, Rob, we're now entering week eight again, very close to the midway point. There's not really a midway point of the season. Now we can't do that 50-50 since they added that extra week to the season. Every team now has an odd number of games. Nonetheless. The Seahawks are in first place in the NFC West at four and three. They have a number of players, veterans and rookies that are really shining and have led to this surprising start. And for that reason, it shouldn't be surprising that a number of players are now popping up as contenders for major awards around the league. So what we're going to be doing here, we're going to look at these three different awards, the players that have legitimate candidacies for those awards. They're bet online props currently heading into week eight and have a little bit of discussion about whether or not they have a legitimate opportunity to win this award at the end of the 2022 season, right before the Super Bowl in February. Let's start with the NFL's biggest award, most valuable player. Russell Wilson, one of the things that always irked him in his 10 years in Seattle, never understood why he didn't get a single MVP vote the entire time that he was here in the Pacific Northwest. And now here we are. His replacement, Geno Smith, right now plus 10,000 in terms of his odds to be the MVP on Bet Online, still way down on the list, but he wasn't on the list at the beginning of the year. And it really does feel like he is one of the top candidates in the league, maybe not getting as much of a, much attention as he deserves at this point because of where he's come from, but the statistics don't lie. Well, the statistics don't lie. I mean, he's been absolutely spectacular. I mean, if you look at his numbers, I mean, he is first in completion rate. He is eighth in passing yards, which, you know, let, let's be real. I mean, the, the thing that should be the most uh, you know, important is victories, is how do you perform down the stretch? Uh, it should be touchdowns, the interception ratio. His 11 touchdowns to three interceptions, um, I, I think kind of speaks for itself. And the fact that, you know, he has guided the Seahawks to the victories that they have had. Uh, you know, I, I think Geno Smith has been the most consistent player on Seattle's offense. And that's saying quite a lot, considering the dynamic performances that we saw early in the season from Rashad Penny, certainly the spectacular performances that we've seen since from Kenneth Walker III. Um, you know, I, I really think that, that Geno Smith deserves to be in that MVP conversation. But frankly, I thought that Russell Wilson deserved to be in the MVP conversation previous years as well. And the fact that he never got a single vote, to me, Corbin, what that says is that there's a lot of people out there who have votes in this MVP conversation that aren't paying any attention to what's going on in the West Coast, unless you are going to make some type of a real big undefeated type of push, not being four and three over the first seven games of the NFL season. I don't think that he's going to get 
that type of real consideration. I think it's going to be the Josh Allen show in Buffalo, Patrick Mahomes show in Kansas City. Frankly, I think there's a chance as ugly as his play has been so far this season that Tom Brady, that Aaron Rodgers, that they might get more MVP consideration, even though Geno Smith, let me be clear, has been so much better than Tom Brady, than Aaron Rodgers, than Russell Wilson, than just about anybody else that you want to mention other than, again, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. He should be in this conversation. I don't think that he will be, but he should be because his play, his his success this season, the Seahawks' success this season absolutely demands it. But again, there's a lot of people out there who aren't paying attention but they will be should the Seahawks emerge victorious against the New York Giants this weekend. I'm going to look at this with a little more of an optimistic lens than what you are. We've got Peter King, one of the most renowned national writers. He's writing feature stories on Geno Smith coming out of the game on Sunday. We're seeing national outlets like ESPN. They pretty much every Monday lately are raving about the job Pete Carroll's doing and what Geno Smith is doing. He is getting noticed now here the last few weeks. And I actually think, odd enough as it is, his story, the fact that he's been a backup the last seven years and he's playing this way, that resonates with people. And so I'm not going to sit here and say that he's suddenly going to surpass Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes and win that award. But, you know, maybe Jalen Hurts belongs in this discussion too as the quarterback for the only undefeated team in the NFL. But statistically his numbers don't stack up with Mahomes or Allen and quite frankly across the board they don't stack up with Geno I'm gonna put the numbers up again real quick there's a couple that jump out to me the completion above expectation 8.2 percent that is nearly four percent higher than any other quarterback in the league right now with qualified snaps that is a big stat for me on NFL next gen that tells you he's completing a lot of throws He's not expected to. It tells you the difficulty, some of the downfield throws that he's making. Third highest passer rating, which is right behind Mahomes and Allen, the two front runners for the MVP award. Number one in completion rate. The touchdown to interception ratio is as good as anybody in the league. Top 10 in passing yards. He's been getting it done as a runner. So you can make a lot of arguments. Right now, to me, he is third on the list. And I would have Jalen Hurts just a little bit behind him because Jalen Hurts plays in a team that I thought Philadelphia had more expectations than Seattle going into the season. The Seahawks, everybody thought was going to be a top five pick. And there were people that thought that Geno wasn't even going to be the starter in week one or he'd lose his job early in the season. <clears throat> Rob Rank. Uh, there are people out there that have made those arguments. And so for him to continue playing the way he is, Sample size now, there's enough games that you have to have in that discussion. And I think nationally, he's starting to be on that microscope with the attention he's getting from national outlets. So I don't know that he can win this award, but I'm not discounting it either, which two weeks ago I've been like, yeah, he's playing well, but there's no way. But right now, I think I've changed my tune. Let's go to the offensive rookie of the year, Ken Walker the third, coming off the massive performance against the Chargers, 168 rushing yards. Brees Hall would have been the pick right now for Offensive Rookie of the Year, what he's done in New York. Unfortunately, the other star running back from this class is now done for the season with a torn ACL. So he is not going to win this award. That really pits Ken Walker III against Damian uh, Pierce of the Houston Texans, in my opinion, as the two front runners to win this award this year. You don't have a quarterback that's emerged that's going to be the Rookie of the Year. Offensive linemen don't win this award. And there haven't really been any receivers aside from Chris Olave that have really made much noise this year consistently. 
This really feels like one that Ken Walker III is the favorite. In fact, I would say right now he's the heavy favorite given how his team's playing and how he fits into this offensive scheme. Well, through the last two weeks, sure. I mean, he should absolutely run away with, with this award. If he is able to continue the way that he has performed, then yeah, because as you mentioned, Brees Hall, um, you know, unfortunately, tragically for the New York Jets, uh, you know, tore his ACL. He's done for the season. Damian Pierce is a legitimate factor. I mean, this is a spectacular player. He has been more statistically dominant, or more, I, I shouldn't say that, more statistically consistent for the Houston Texans so far this season. Statistically dominant, clearly K-9 has been that for the Seahawks. But again, it's only over the last couple of weeks of the season. He does not have the injury issues in his past that suggest that he suddenly is going to suffer any type of injury. And so I am rooting on uh, Kenneth Walker III as much as anybody that he is going to be able to enjoy this spectacular rookie season for the Seahawks. Um, he has been absolutely dynamic. But at the same time, again, he has been spectacular just these last couple of weeks. Let's see what happens when he goes against a New York Giants team that is pretty formidable up front. And should Seattle not have DK Metcalf um, on their team, then it's going to be a lot easier for teams to creep up against the line of scrimmage and be able to perhaps slow him down. But again, Kenneth Walker III has been absolutely spectacular. He was spectacular for Michigan State. He was spectacular for Wake Forest. This should not be a surprise. And he does have enough national attention out there because of his college success all throughout the country that he might just have enough of that, uh, you know, a, a plum across the country to be able to get that award for the Seahawks. But again, he's got to continue to be this successful. Yeah, really the sample size is much more significant when we're talking about Ken Walker III versus Geno Smith, who has started and played it in all seven games. But still, this guy is in the top five for missed tackles forced. He has put up big numbers in every game that he's had significant carries in. He's 16th in the NFL in rushing yards right now, Robin. He hardly played the first three games. So what he's done so far, he has looked every bit like the NFL's Rookie of the Year. Right now, Bet Online has him as the favorite at plus 155 now that Brees Hall is done for the season. So he's got a great opportunity in front of him. He's up for the FedEx Ground Player of the Week for the second straight week. He didn't quite win it last week. I would be stunned if he doesn't win it this week. He's been up for Rookie of the Week twice now. So he his name is already out there because of his Heisman hopefuls and being the dope Walker Award winner, but now his name is even more out there nationally with what he's doing. Fantasy owners are rejoicing, and that's a big deal when we're talking about these awards. It really is. Yeah. Fantasy owners are loving having Ken Walker in the lineup. So right now he looks like the favorite, like you said, though. He's got to sustain it. Now let's flip to the guy that's really been the talking point for most of the season. We're talking about awards. We were talking in week two. I think even in training camp you were throwing around the idea. I think that Tariq Woolen is going to be the defensive player of the year for rookies. And here we are now after seven games. He did give up his first touchdown the other day, but he still had a pretty good game against the Chargers. And right now, this is maybe the one that I would be most confident about in terms of a player winning the award. Sauce Gardner is still the number one guy on Bet Online's odds, but he has one interception this year. Tariq Woolen still leads the NFL with four of them. He has two fumble recoveries. The passer rating is still under 50 against him, according to Pro Football Focus. So you just look at the numbers compared to every other corner in the league, not just the rookie corners. 
I still think that he's got all pro team written on him with what he has done this year. He absolutely should be the front runner to win defensive rookie of the year. This would be the one, if I had to bet on these three, this would be the one that I would bet on because of what he's done and what I think he's going to do the rest of the season as he continues to get more experience in a position that he still hasn't played very well. Corbin, this is the one that you got to punch somebody in the mouth a little bit. You, you got to call people out nationally and say, what are the heck are you watching if Tariq Wollen is not being the front runner here for defensive rookie of the year? And as you said, I mean, maybe some all pro consideration, certainly some pro bowl consideration. He has been absolutely spectacular. Um, you know, I, the last couple of, of weeks here, I, I've been saying, that I think that Pete Carroll in his hall of fame credentials needs to be gaining a lot more attention because of exactly the type of play that we're seeing here from Tariq Wollen as well as the rest of the Seattle's rookie class to have the confidence to be able to start a guy who was, I mean, he was honorable mention in the Conference USA as his second year of playing cornerback. And when we, we all remember how dynamic he was during the combine, 4-2-6-40 and 42-and-a-half-inch vertical, all those kind of things. That doesn't necessarily translate into being a good football player. But uh, what Tariq Wollen has been able to do to this point, you, you rattled off some of those statistics, the four interceptions, the two fumble recoveries, the blocked field goal, which I still think is one of the most absolutely spectacular plays I've seen from any defensive player, rookie or otherwise, so far this season. Corbin, to me, there was Micah Parsons last year I thought was the runaway defensive rookie of the year. I thought the halfway point of the season, if anybody else was talking about any other player, it was like, again, what are you watching? To me, that's what Tariq Woolen is doing so far this year. I mean, I, I wrote an article for FoxSports.com in week one in the performance against Denver Broncos where he did not have an interception. Actually had a couple of pass interference calls, but I thought he locked down his side of the field. And, and again, the article I wrote, I basically said, this guy is going to be a superstar. I, I just believed my eyes. The same thing you and I saw all throughout training camp. Obviously, Pete Carroll and John Schneider saw all throughout training camp. This guy is an absolute superstar. It, I don't believe there's ever been a, a case where an NFL team has had the offensive and defensive rookie of the years. But that's exactly what I think the Seahawks have right now. If you were start, if you were stopping it at the midway point in the season, I think that Tariq Wollen, Kenneth Walker III, should be, again, the defensive and offensive rookie of the years uh, you know, for the NFL season so far. Well, it just remains to be seen. Can they keep up this level of play? Can they stay healthy? If they do, then again, the Seahawks' future looks very, very bright. This will be another discussion for another time later in the season, assuming that guys stay healthy and continue to improve. But I don't think I agree with you. I don't think there's been a year where the same team has had both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. And to put this in further perspective, how great this rookie class is for the Seahawks. You don't see offensive linemen win offensive rookie of the year. It has never happened Abe Lucas and Charles Cross both have a chance to be on the all-rookie team. Seattle could have four, even five players from this year's class make that team. If it was picked right now, I think there would be at least four. Boy, Mafe would be in the discussion with how he's playing the run and the impact he's making. And so you could easily have four or five players from the same draft class as all-rookie team selections. I don't know what the record for one team is. I'm going to have to research that, and we can revisit that in a later episode. I'm now extremely curious, but that just tells you where this group is at through seven weeks. they got to keep it up. they got to keep getting better. There's going to be some growing pains as the season goes on, but 
There's a reason Pete Carroll and company are so enthused and so excited about this rookie class. And there could be some awards coming their way at the end of the season. Up next, we got to shift gears now to week eight and maybe the biggest game the Seahawks have had all season. Nobody would have anticipated that against the New York Giants going into the start of the season, but they're going to be taking on a six and one team that's sitting atop the NFC East at Lumen Field. What's new with the Giants and what spurred this turnaround? We're going to get to that here in a moment on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. We're nearing the halfway point here in the 2022 NFL season with week eight on tap. I've got Derrick Henry rumbling for three touchdowns against the Texans and Jamar Chase racking up 175 receiving yards against the Browns. Those might seem like bold leaps, but with prize picks, it's easy to play. Daily Fantasy had put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections in any sport that you watch, whether it's NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, MMA, even disc golf. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy with safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to Tell the Truth Tuesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by my co host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Rob, we're officially moving on as Bill Belichick wanted to do last night, I'm sure. Moving on to the next opponent. We've got the New York Giants, week eight. The Giants at six and one. This is maybe even more shocking than what the Seahawks have done this year, being four and three atop the NFC West. Every one of their six wins have been by one score. And looking at what's new with this football team, we'll get to the draft picks. We'll get to the free agent signings and the players that left here in a minute. But everything starts with the culture change, going from having Joe Judge, who was a failure as a coach. Before that, they went through a couple of other coaches and really struggled, could not turn things around. It's been a rough decade for the Giants. Brian Dable comes over from the Buffalo Bills, former offensive coordinator that helped Josh Allen ascend to the perennial MVP candidate that he is. And now he's working those kind of wonders as a head coach in New York. And again, it all goes back to what we've talked about with Pete Carroll a lot. The culture has taken a 180 degree turn and you're seeing the results on the field. No, you absolutely are. I mean, Brian Dable, I think, is a terrific coach. His offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, I think, is a terrific coach. Don Martindale, Wink Martindale from the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you know, came over um, and has completely turned around this defense as well. Um, you know, when you're talking to a guy like me, Corbin, who is so into personnel, so into the players, 
it, it's it, it's difficult for me to kind of switch gears and give a great deal of credit to the coaches um, just because I think that so much of the NFL is really predicated on the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's to kind of steal that, uh, uh, you know, that reference yet again. But I, I really think that what you said, you know, it was culture change. I think in, in week one, um, you know, with the New York Giants, Brian Dable basically decided that he wanted to go for it on fourth down um that that really kind of was the the precipice for the new york giants kind of believing that they could be that type of a team that is going to win football games and that's what we've seen from them as you mentioned this is a team that a number of their victories have been um within one score i mean that is just a belief that, that's something that we've seen Pete Carroll do. We're seeing Brian Dable do with the New York Giants team that, let's face it, Daniel Jones at the quarterback position, um, you know, he has been a guy that I am among those who criticized that selection when the Giants made it a couple of years ago. With Saquon Barkley, there's all those people out there. If you thought that they were question, if the Seahawks fans were questioning the selection of Rashad Penny, the selection of Ken Walker III in the second round, imagine what the people in New York we're saying about Saquon Barkley, a running back of the top five selection a couple of years ago. Uh, and yet it feels like the Giants are absolutely legitimate. I am excited for this matchup. I think you're talking about the two most pleasant surprises in all of the NFL this year going head to head to me. Well, we've said it before. Get your popcorn ready because this to me is going to be a dynamic showdown between two really good football teams who are absolutely slaying all of the critics and their, you know, clearly uh, incorrect opinions heading into the season. And the playoff implications. I know it's only week eight, but if you're the Seahawks, you're looking at this game thinking, hey, if we can steal this one at home from a team that's got a better record than us that's atop the NFC East right now. That might come back to be a huge deal end of the season. If the Seahawks get on a roll and they end up with the same record as the Giants and they end up meeting again in the postseason, Seattle gets that game. Assuming that they are both division champions, Seattle is going to help is going to host a playoff game again against the Giants. So you start thinking about seeding and that pecking order. This is a game in week eight that could have a lot of bearing on that for two teams that weren't supposed to be having these discussions in 2022. Now you look away from Brian Dable. There's been plenty of other changes for this Giants team, and they've kind of been in salary cap hell. So not a lot of additions to this roster. In fact, they let go of some really good football players. James Bradbury is having a fantastic season for the Philadelphia Eagles in the same division. And I have said a number of times the Giants are in first place. I keep forgetting the Eagles are undefeated. For some reason, I'm thinking six and one is good enough for first place. But it would be in almost every other division. But the New York Giants lost Bradbury. They let him go. Evan Ingram's gone in Jacksonville. Jabril Peppers is in New England. Rudolph, that wasn't a big loss for them, an aging tight end. Will Hernandez is starting for the Cardinals. Logan Ryan was let go of for financial reasons. I mean, they were just trying to get ahead of the cap. And so a lot of people were looking at those moves thinking that's just going to further uh, lengthen this rebuild for Brian Dable. And they didn't really have any big additions. Former Seahawk Mark Glowinski, maybe the biggest free agent signing they made. He's starting for them at guard. And Jihad Ward is starting for them as a edge rusher. Otherwise, no other you know notable additions in terms of free agent signings and trades. But what really sets this team apart right now, Rob, and I know you're excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about it because there's some players here that we thought maybe the Seahawks would draft with the capital they had. But this draft class, the talent 
that the Giants were able to bring in with two first-round selections, some of their day two and day three selections that are playing a lot of snaps. Uh, the draft class has been a big part of the reason that they're 6-1. and one. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, if you just look at statistics, then Kayvon Thibodeau has not been that productive. He only has one sack so far on the season. He wasn't a big sack guy at Oregon, but that didn't stop him from winning the Morris Trophy Award winner as the most dominant uh, defensive lineman in the Pac-12 a couple of years ago. Because, you know, Corbin, you know this. I mean, watching Kayvon Thibodeau on tape, he is not an elite pass rusher. He doesn't have that initial burst, that initial bend that a guy like Daryl Taylor has. What he does have is great strength at the point of attack. He's a little bit more Chino Nuoso, Boye Mafe in that regard. He has been able to help kind of slow down the opposing rushing attacks that have basically been able to eat up the New York Giants in the past. Evan Neal has been a bit of a rock at the right tackle position. And, and that's saying something considering the fact that he was drafted after playing the left tackle position for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So kind of going back to that right tackle position that he had played previously. Um, and I agree with you with Mark Glowinski at the right guard position for the Giants, John Feliciano previously with the San Francisco 49ers. I just built a little bit more consistency along the offensive line. And then certainly, I think the biggest story for the New York Giants is, oh my goodness, what a difference it makes when Saquon Barkley is healthy for you. That is the most dynamic player on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball for the Giants. Him being healthy has completely turned this team around. Daniel Jones is making better plays again because he has the running game around him. That would be one of my biggest arguments about Geno Smith being an MVP is because, again, it's a lot easier to play ball when you have a running game as dynamic as Rashad Penny, even with his injury, and then now Kenneth Walker has been for the Seahawks. Well, the same kind of thing for Daniel Jones here. So, again, to me, this is a completely different New York Giants team than we've seen in the last couple of years, and a big part of that is because they've gotten tougher at the line of scrimmage, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, so rookies being a big part of that. And then, again, having the ability to run the ball the way they are with a dynamic running back like Saquon Barkley has made this one of the most dynamic offenses in all of the NFL. I'm glad that you mentioned Barkley, not just because I'm a running back connoisseur, but Barkley was one of those players that I thought was a can't-miss prospect and one of the few guys that I would invest a top-five pick in at that position. Even, even I am skeptical about using that high of a draft pick on a running back, but Saquon Barkley fit the bill, and it looked like he was trending towards Trent Richardson territory where injuries and inconsistent play, he just he just wasn't living up to the draft standard. But I don't think it was his fault. The injury obviously was bad luck, missing most of a season and uh, missing extended time. But the coaching staff, the culture that was here, not having much help with the offensive line, they didn't do anything to set him up for success. And now Brian Dable, not somebody that was known for – really caring too much about the run game when he was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. He's kind of changed his tune in New York with the personnel that he's got and having a dynamic player like Saquon Barkley. I'm sure he knows Daniel Jones is not going to be Josh Allen 2.0. So let's give him a running game that makes life easier for him. And Daniel Jones can run the ball too. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. And this is just another example for those that argue running backs don't matter. This is just another example where – a team has been able to turn things around because they have prioritized the run game 
that best fits the personnel they had and takes the pressure off the quarterback. Daniel Jones is playing much better, not turning the football over near as much because of that. And I think that's the biggest reason, along with just the culture change, that this giant squad is 6-1. and one. Even with some of the injuries they've got, they've got a lengthy injury list. Darian Beaver is one of the rookies I was really excited about for them. He hasn't played a game the entire season, and he's not going to play a game this year due to injury. It's unfortunate. A guy I really loved watching at Cincinnati, but they got a bunch of other young guys that are stepping in and playing meaningful snaps for them, much like the Seahawks have in the Pacific Northwest. And that's one of the reasons this is a really exciting matchup. The youth movements for these two teams, two really good coaches that understand X's and O's as well as culture. And they have some established veterans in the locker rooms, really good run games. There's a lot of mirroring between these two teams as they get ready for this matchup. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow when we dive into the matchups on our weekly matchup Wednesday podcast. A lot of fun ones on both sides of the football for the Seahawks and the Giants. You won't want to miss that. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. We've got our matchup Wednesday coming tomorrow. Tons of fun matchups to dive into for two teams that mirror each other in a lot of different ways. Should be an exciting matchup coming up at Lumen Field. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.